0: You're welcome. We did it,
1: baby. We did it. We did it, man. Man, it's our season. It's our season. We did it. It's
0: this is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
2: I'm a sucker for a good statement of recognition. I was born Catholic, was raised Catholic, went to Catholic schools, so I went to church twice a week. You know, you start every Mass with the penitential rite. You know, I confess to Almighty God, to you, my brothers and sisters, I greatly sinned, blah, blah, blah. You know the, the thing. That's right off the top. From the get-go of the Mass, we're like, yo, we're going to recognize we kind of suck. Got to lay that out there before we can go any farther. If you go to uh, high school games now, and I can't speak to high schools maybe in the Big Rivers Conference or in the, is it the Big Eight or the Great Eight? I apologize to our listeners on the zone. But a lot of high schools now, before you begin a sporting event, they will have this statement of recognition of indigenous land. Like we recognize that this school is on indigenous land in and around where I am. It's Ho-Chunk territory, right? And you recognize that before proceeding. I thought we'd start today's show with a nice statement of recognition because we're not going to talk about the Bucks today. But the Bucks won a title seven days ago. It'll be a week exactly at about ten o'clock tonight, and we're not going to talk about the Bucks today. But I, I feel like we need to recognize them, so I prepared a statement and I printed it off. Easily could have read this off the computer, but it felt more appropriate and official to do it this way. So here's the statement. <clears throat> Peace be with you. No, no, we're not. We're not doing that. <clears throat> Before we begin the show, we recognize that our Bucks are NBA champions, defeating the Phoenix Suns in six games, proving themselves the only Wisconsin sports team capable of advancing past the conference championship round. Giannis is the best athlete in the state, and the Bucks are the smartest team, building with aggression and clutch playoff execution, and they deserve to be recognized. While we may discuss other teams and athletes on today's show, we do so while recognizing they all simply bow at the feet of Giannis, Chris Middleton, and the NBA champion, Milwaukee Bucks. I'm going to read that to start the show for the near future. So get that down to memory. You can say it along with me like a prayer, right? Good uh, statement of recognition. I love it. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I feel better today than I did yesterday. More details with the Rodgers thing. We're one day closer to the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Oh, yes. And it's the week anniversary of the Bucks winning a title. I have never myself been in a relationship to celebrate such milestones you ever been in a romantic relationship where it's like oh it's one week it's a month together i i've, I've had a friend before who like i had an old roommate and he listens to the show so i don't want to put him on blast and i could be misremembering this but like you know wake up in the morning you're cleaning you're making breakfast whatever. roommate comes out he's about to go to work like, oh what do you got going on today he's like ah it's me and so-and-so's five months today it's like i don't even five months the hell do you have a calendar? Do you have a special calendar in your Google Calendar. You keep track of this thing, right? So you maybe you've been in a relationship like this where, like, every month, every six months, every six weeks, right, we're going to recognize it. I've never been in a relationship like that, but I think I'm going to start with the Bucks. It's been one week. It's been three weeks. It's been a month. It's been six months, five months, four months. So I, I, I feel like we're going to continue to recognize the Bucks as their NBA champions. However. The Brewers season is going to start to heat up, and certainly the case of the Packers with new Aaron Rodgers news and and training camp uh, and so on and so forth. So, we're going to talk about all that today. Unfortunately, not the Bucs, but I wanted to get that off the top. 608-796-2558 is the talk and text line. Brennan LaCrosse says, let's make this a good one tonight, Grant. Well, that's my goal every night, Brett. Mad Mike, who is Mike in Madison, we've rebranded him because we have a lot of Mike's. Mad Mike says, you're not on 96.7 in Madison today. Well, then how are you listening, Mad Mike? I need, more, I need more details if I'm to help you figure out what's going wrong or if I need to call Ebo and ask him what the heck is up. Maybe I got canceled. Brutal if they didn't tell me. Absolutely brutal. Maybe we lost our Madison station. God, that that would stink, especially because I talked to Ebo this morning. I was on his show. Didn't let me know. Uh, text me more, Mike, and let me know exactly what the issue is, and maybe I can assist you. Maybe I can help you out. Coming up at 4.30, going to speak with David Gasper, reviewing the brew. Tuesdays with Gasper akin to Tuesdays with Maury uh, in title only not in practice because they could not be further could not be more different situations but we will talk to Gasper coming up at 435 about the Brewers I want to start with the Packers today's lead is going to be about Rodgers because yesterday we finally got some clarity on the Rodgers thing story saga I I don't want to assign a name to it because once we get to that point then it's a thing and I don't want it to be a thing the Rodgers saga well then it's a then we've made it a thing. I don't want this to be a thing. It's just the last couple of months. And we talked through it yesterday in real time. We're reacting to this news basically as it's breaking. I think Schefter put out the details that he reported just a little bit after three. I go on at four. So I didn't have time to stew. And I like time to stew. I like to sit by myself and just think and ponder, which is why I really like that my show starts at 4 p.m. and not 6 a.m. I don't know if I could do mornings. I need time to stew with this stuff. So in real time yesterday during the show, we're trying to put the pieces together, and it was actually kind of fun. But for two hours last night, I'm trying to avoid overreacting. I don't want to overreact. I don't want to get fired up for no reason. I don't want to get mad for no reason. Basically, I didn't want to get home last night and think, dang, that was stupid. I wish I wouldn't have said that because if I just would have calmed down and thought about it a little bit more, it's, it's not that big a deal. Or last time that I overreacted in the moment to breaking news was the Willie Adamas trade. And I believe at the time, I called him Willie Adams and was upset and wanted Orlando Arcia back. And that was maybe my worst take ever on this show. So to try to avoid overreacting. I tried to avoid yesterday. Now we've had a day to kind of stew with this and think about it. And to clarify, let's revisit where we were yesterday, where we left off. And we don't really have any new information other than what we knew yesterday. Ian Rappaport right before noon tweeted that Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers has indicated to people close to him that he does plan to play for the Packers this season. Sources say that is the expectation. Many factors at play, but with GM Brian Gutekind saying he is, quote, hopeful for a positive outcome, there is a glimmer of optimism. Then a couple of hours later, around 3 o'clock, Ian Rappaport adds on and says, hey, they're working on a new deal. Right? They're looking at new details in the contract, right? He's planning to arrive for camp thanks to a thawing over the past few days. And then he showed up last night, and then we saw pictures this morning. And then Schefter gave us the details just after 3 o'clock as well. And these were the four bullet points. We talked about these at length yesterday. The 2023 year in Rodgers' contract, voided. No tags allowed in the future. Rodgers' contract would be adjusted with no loss of income to give the Packers more cap room now. Mechanisms to be put into place to address Rodgers' issues with the team. And finally, the Packers would agree to review the Rodgers situation at the end of the season. Those were the four bullet points, and that's where we left off yesterday. That's basically all we know now, except that rumor about also Randall Cobb coming back. Looks like that's legit, and it looks like it's done. I just don't know how or in what way or with what instrument they made that happen. Randall Cobb's going to have to take a hefty pay cut because the Packers don't have the space for him. So I don't know how all of that's going to work. I'm going to check during commercial breaks to see if any of that breaks between now and 5.30 when the show's going to wrap up. Maybe something will come through, but that's basically all we know. Everything we knew yesterday, plus the Randall Cobb thing, that's where we stand right now. And yesterday, we talked about this from a couple of different angles, both stubborn sides realizing that they need each other, right? Rodgers agrees to come play. The Packers agreed to review Rodgers' situation at the end of the season. That's a direct quote, whatever that means. I would imagine they're being a little bit more specific in their talks behind closed doors. Rodgers helps out the Packers financially. The Packers void the third year remaining on his deal, right? There's a give and a take. Rodgers wants to win a Super Bowl. He wants to play. The Packers want Rodgers to play for them because that's the best way they can win a Super Bowl. Yesterday, I believe I compared it to the movie Yours, Mine, and Ours, where the two groups of kids realize even though they don't like each other, they got to work together to break their parents up. Very brutal for the parents. And then in the end, of course, the kids learn to like each other. No, 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 mom and dad, don't break up. Very, very predictable. It's a kid's movie. Don't overanalyze it. A question I had yesterday, and it's a question that I still kind of have, What was really accomplished here? Specifically for Aaron Rodgers, because he was the one that wasn't satisfied. He was the one that needed to be appeased. He was the one that needed to be catered to. So for Aaron Rodgers, what was really accomplished here? Something that I mentioned yesterday. He's still a lame duck MVP quarterback. His future is still a beautiful mystery. The Packers have not given him any long-term guarantees contractually. Now, they maybe told him in the future, hey, this is how we're going to approach your future, just so you know. But it's not like he's locked up for four or five more years, right? His future remains a beautiful mystery, to quote him. And they have agreed to, quote, review things after the season. But what does that guarantee? And once again, we're only seeing the bare bones of this from Schefter. I'm sure behind closed doors, they're hashing this out in writing. Oh, yeah, specifically. They're not leaving this up to interpretation, right? It's like two parents fighting over custody. It's like, no, when I mean one weekend a month, I mean one weekend a month, and that's how it's being written down. Nothing left up for interpretation, right? I thought of the scene from The Sopranos, right? When Christopher takes over the new music club, they're booking bands, and Jackie Aprile's boy wants to move some product through there, and Christopher's like, uh uh we're not doing it. And Jackie's like, come on, let's have a sit down. Let's have a chat. And Christopher's like, excuse me? You want to have a sit down or do you want to have a chat? I don't have time to deal with this right now, right? Is it a sit down? Is it a chat? Right? We can talk about it. That doesn't guarantee we're going to get into it. That doesn't guarantee anything's going to come from it. But I'll, I'll chat with you about it. That's what this reminds me of. They're going to review things. There must be more to it than that. And when the time comes to review things, what if the Packers see things differently than Aaron Rodgers does? What if they get to next spring? And they make the Super Bowl and they lose. Or they win the Super Bowl. Or they lose in the NFC Championship game. And Rodgers says, alright, I was a good soldier, probably for an extra year than I should have been. I would have liked to be out of here last year. My time has come. Uh, let me go. And the Packers are like, well, dude, actually, uh, your best chance to win a Super Bowl is here. In fact, if you just give us one more year, I, I think we might be able to get over the hump. Right? You're still under contract for a year. Right? I think we want to see this through. What if the Packers see things differently? Now... There must be more to this agreement that makes sure the Packers can't pull something over like that. At least if this was done correctly and smartly, there is, right? But what we know right now, I'm not really sure what was accomplished for Aaron Rodgers. Maybe we'll learn more as time rolls on. And on yesterday's show, I gave the Packers some credit, some, because they did, at least in the short term, solve this problem. Aaron Rodgers is going to play this season. But this was a problem of their own creation, right? I'm not going to praise the Packers endlessly, I'm not going to heap praise on Brian Gudekinst and Mark Murphy for solving a problem or minimizing a problem that they created in the first place. It's like with John Hammond or John Horst. Bucks GMs have loved to do this for the last 10 years. Where they make a terrible deal and then they make a great deal to get out from underneath the terrible deal. And we're like, oh, John Horst, look at this. He got off the deli contract. Well, yeah, but it was it was their fault that the deli contract was there in the first place. Right? Oh, good job. You got under the you got out of the D.J. Augustine deal. Well, he was the one who signed the D.J. Augustine deal. So, yeah, good job, but that was an issue of his own creation, John Horst, the Bucks general manager I'm talking about. So I'm not going to praise the Packers, at least over the top, for solving a problem that was a problem of their own creation in the first place. But now, after some thought and consideration, I'm not sure I gave the Packers enough credit yesterday. Ponder this for a moment. Put this in your pipe and smoke it, okay? These concessions. That the Packers made. And that's Schefter's verbiage. The Packers made concessions. So that's where that verbiage comes from. That wasn't a Rodgers or a Packers thing. Gutekinds is like, well, we had to give some stuff up. That's the way it's been reported. These concessions that the Packers made. These four bullet points we've been talking about. Um, in what way are these supposed to be concessions for the Packers? In what way are they conceding anything? In what way are the Packers doing anything right now that they didn't want to already do? Think of what the Packers' plan was in the first place. The plan that upset Rodgers to this degree where he didn't want to come back. They wanted to play Aaron Rodgers until Jordan Love was ready and then be able to move on with as little consequence as possible. Okay? How did this reworked deal that includes, quote, concessions, how does this reworked deal prevent that at all? How did this sway things in Aaron Rodgers' favor at all, whatsoever? I mean, think about, think about it. Removing the final year of his deal, the Packers were probably thrilled to do that. That's one less year they have to worry about. Makes his contract more manageable, maybe easier to trade, less of a commitment, especially as he gets older and older and older on the back end of this deal. The Packers were probably thrilled to void the final year of his deal. More flexibility, you can get them out the door sooner, awesome, which is what they wanted in the first place. They have more money to spend this year to build a contender, Aaron Rodgers is willing to help them out financially to help build this team, fantastic! Brian Gudikins is thrilled, let's add somebody and try to win a Super Bowl, get over the hump. Oh, Rodgers wants to be traded after the year, guess what? Fantastic! That's what the Packers wanted in the first place, in fact, now... When next spring rolls around, not only can you trade Aaron Rodgers, but he'll sit down at the table and help you do it because that's what he wants too. So you tell me, in what world this new fangled open marriage type contract that they've mixed up here, in what way is this a win for Aaron Rodgers? Sure, he gets to come back and play football on a really good team, and it seems like he has a little bit control uh, over how he exits the team next year, but his future is still not really in his control. The team still is probably going to want to move to Jordan Love. He's not making any extra money. In fact, he has less of a year of contractual security. Am I am I missing something here? In what way did the Packers concede anything? The way I see it, the Packers did exactly what they wanted to do. They set the situation up exactly like they wanted, and then they framed it in a way that would be accepted by Aaron Rodgers. I was watching Rob Domofsky on NFL Live this afternoon. You did a hit with Laura Rutledge and Rob Domofsky's like, man, Rogers has accumulated a lot of power. What? Power to bring in his old buddy Randall Cobb? It's a great depth move that I'm getting behind, anyways, unless they gotta give up like a third or a fourth round pick. Right? Randall Cobb to come in and mentor Amari Rogers to be their Lorenzo Kane who plays some snaps here but rests here and there. Great! Veteran leadership. Why is that a bad thing? <laughs> it's not like Aaron Rodgers has people at gunpoint. I don't get this illusion that Rodgers is really taking control and he's really got all the power and the Packers really had to give it up to get him to come back. I I, I don't see it that way. Unless these more unspecific terms where it's like they're going to readdress things after this year, they're going to reevaluate things, unless that verbiage is is really, really nonspecific and... and That's actually largely advantageous to Rodgers. Okay, well, then we'll readdress. But based on what we know now, the Packers got exactly what they wanted. Aaron Rodgers is going to come back and play for one more year, and then they have the power to move off of him next year. In fact, Rodgers helped him get more money to spend this year and gave up the final year of his deal, which I'm sure the Packers were thrilled to get rid of. I don't get it. The Packers got what they wanted all along, one final year, and that's all. And they found a way to sell it. Like, oh, it can be the last dance. Oh, Rodgers, come back. Knowing dang well that Rodgers plays best when he's upset anyways, the Packers were coming out way ahead of this thing. They got exactly what they wanted, but they found a way to frame it. Like, oh, Rodgers really is calling the shots now. Well, not really. This is really exactly what the Packers wanted. Brian Gutekinst, you sly dog. You pulled it off. A crafty, crafty solution to a problem that only a UWL Eagle could solve. Look at you. Look at you go, Brian. Job well done. Let's take a break. I want to continue to talk about this. I see we have some texts. If you want to chime in, 608-796-2558. Talking Brewers with David Gasper coming up at 435 as well. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this.
0: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Show, I forgot to mention, I mean, maybe it's a big deal, maybe it's not that big of a deal, but Christian Yelich is on the COVID list, he's a positive test, he has been fully vaccinated, which is why his symptoms are mild, and he'll probably be okay, the only other person who is in contact was Jace Peterson, Craig Council talking about how Yelich reporting symptoms early in the process, really important to keeping the team clean and to minimizing you know, contact with other players. Yes, if you're vaccinated, you can still get COVID. It's just probably not going to be a big deal. Probably not going to get very sick. You might not feel it at all, but you still can get it. You can break through here and there. You vaccinate millions of people. Uh, one or two cases, yeah, that's bound to happen. But Christian Yelich going on the 10-day IL, which, look, with Tyro Taylor hitting the smoke out of the ball, maybe not an absolute disaster, especially because Yelich is scuffling anyways. Maybe a chance for him to hit the reset button. We'll talk about that with David Dasper. Reviewing the Brew, coming up in about 10 minutes. Right now, we're talking Packers. Aaron Rodgers, you're welcome to be a part of it. 608-796-2558. Robin Stoddard, who is one of our resident Bears fans. We also have Jeff in lacrosse. But Rob down in Stoddard says, just hand me the two regular season L's, and I will wear the Packers shirt, which was probably a bad bet with my friends. I think Randall Cobb would be a good two or three wide out in LaFleur's system. Yeah, I I don't understand why people could be upset about Cobb coming back. Okay, maybe he doesn't play very much because he's old and you want to keep him healthy. Okay, good locker room guy. Could be a good mentor to Omari Rodgers, teach him a thing or two. And depth is okay. Depth is okay. You can have more than one good player at each position. It's okay. In fact, it's good. It's a good thing to have depth at each position, which I think sometimes the Packers have... uh, It seems like they get one guy to position and then, all right, we're good which is what happened when Kevin King got a little bit banged up in the NFC Championship game. They didn't have another good option. 608-796-2558, let's go to the phone. I do not have your name. I apologize, but welcome
0: to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, what's up, Grant? My name's Nick.
2: Nick! I'm going to write that down right now, and I will save it when we're done talking. So in the future, I can call you out. What's going on, Nick?
0: Cool, man. Yeah, I'm like a once-every-three-month caller. I'm here and there. I like that. I, I, just, I got a real quick one. I got a real quick one for you. Mm-hmm. We were, as Green Bay Packers fans, so jealous that Tampa Bay allowed Tom Brady to bring in a few key guys that he felt comfortable with to help Tampa Bay, who had a great core of young talent, get over the top and win the Super Bowl. Why can't Green Bay do that? That's what this is. Bringing Randall Cobb in is a bit of a security blanket in those late season, postseason games. Instead of Equinemius St. Brown, he's got somebody he knows and trusts and is on the same page on. He's not what he was, Randall Cobb isn't. But he's something that he can depend on. Rodgers can. This isn't a negative thing. This is a good thing. I'd rather have Cobb out there in the late season and postseason times than EQ. That's all I got. Thanks. Nick!
2: Fantastic call. And I love the comparison to Tampa Bay, and I bet that that was part of the conversation. Like, I hey, I want to bring Randall Cobb back. Well, I don't know if that's such a good idea, Aaron. Well, was it a good idea for Tampa Bay, Brian? Huh? Tell me that. Seemed to work out pretty good for them. When you're talking about depth, and this is the same in baseball, it's the same in, in basketball too. Bringing Randall Cobb back doesn't necessitate him being an everyday starter. It doesn't necessitate him racking up 100 yards a game or necessitate him, even being a huge part of the offense, if he can make a play here and there. And the equanimity of St. Brown comp is great. Like, if he would have been in the back end of the end zone in that NFC title game and not EQ for the two-point conversion, maybe goes differently. And that's all it takes sometimes is one moment here and there. That's all it takes. You don't need, like, if Randall Cobb can't be a 16-game starter and you can't get 100 yards a game, that doesn't mean he's not valuable. It doesn't mean he's not worth it just means his role's a little different, right? He's asked to succeed in moments here and there, not necessarily produce over the course of the season. Then you have the intangible stuff, the locker room stuff. You could mentor Amari Rogers. They're very similar players. So I think there's a lot of good reasons why it's a good idea. Yeah, it was suggested by Aaron Rodgers. Tough. Okay. Help out your star quarterback a little bit. You're trying to win a Super Bowl. Talking about Rodgers coming back and, and the concessions, quote unquote, that the Packers made I don't think they're concessions at all. I think the Packers got exactly what they wanted. They found a smart way to frame it to make it seem like Aaron Rodgers is getting what he wants when I don't think he really is. I don't think anything changed much. I found yesterday and today very underwhelming. I thought I would be celebrating that Aaron Rodgers is coming back. And oh my God, thank the Lord. I can't imagine doing a season without him. Yada, yada, right? And the Bucks winning a title probably helps. Probably makes me a little bit more even keeled. But I just found this whole experience very underwhelming. Everybody's going through sharing old tweets like April 29th, draft day, when Mark Schlereth says that a, uh, <laughs> a trade for Aaron Rodgers, per his sources, quote, as close to a done deal as it can be. Well, that didn't happen. And then Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports. Rodgers is adamant he won't return to the Packers as long as Brian Gudekinst remains the general manager. That was May 5th. Didn't play out that way. April 30th, insider Bill Michaels just told the host in Denver, there's a 75% chance Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay. Did not turn out to be the case. Sorry, Bill. You call your shot. Didn't work out. I respect it. I called my shot on Orlando RC for three years. It didn't work out. It happens. Right? We got this gem from Rob Domofsky on the Dan Patrick show earlier this year, and it just cracks me up revisiting this now. Who's the quarterback for the Packers week one, Rob? Bob?
0: <laughs> um, I don't know who it is, but I don't think it's Aaron Rodgers. I think there's a less than 5% chance that it's Aaron Rodgers. Mm. I'd say it's 50 50 that it's Jordan Love. And I say that because, Dan, he, this was never the plan to get him ready for 2021. It was 2022. He was the third
2: stringer last year. Like, oh, so I'm going to cut this off because we're a little short on time. Oh, so it was the plan to get him ready for not this year, but next year. Oh, so this has been the Packers' plan all along. What have I been saying? The Packers were getting exactly what they wanted. And I'm not trying to rip on Rob Demosky, right? He's on top of this, he's covering this. He. He's in much better position to make a statement like that than I am. But I just, like, if you're going to swing and miss on a take, like, don't do it on something dumb like that. Like, I thought the Adamas deal was terrible. Look how that worked out. That's fun. Like, oh, this Adams guy's going to suck. Like, miss on that. Miss on more trivial stuff. Don't do this off-season drama crap all the time. What a huge waste of time the last couple of months were. We didn't learn anything. It was a huge sham. Friend of show Bart Winkler tweeted this out last night, and I saved it because I thought it was astute. Three bullet points. Rodgers will quarterback the Packers in 2021. Jordan Love will likely take over in 2022. Devontae might resign. He might not. All of this is as true today as it was in February. Nothing changed. Couldn't agree more. What a monumental waste of time the last couple of months. And yet, we, the fans, we create the demand for this type of offseason content. Stop. Let's stop. Let's all agree to stop needing this type of content. Find a hobby. You know what's fun? Watching the Brewers. Visiting family members. Going for long walks. Bird watching. I find it incredibly relaxing. Buy some binoculars. It's great. We need to get a life. Because the last couple of months turned me off from the Packers so much. Well, that and all the NFC Championship game losses. And for the first time in forever, I'm not amped to read a 53-man roster prediction. I'll watch the Brewers. Thanks. That's what I'll be doing. Thank you. The last couple of months for completely... Souring me on my favorite football team and my favorite quarterback and favorite football player ever. Let's talk about the Brewers because I think the Brewers, alongside the Bucks, might be the smartest team in the state. They're doing a lot of good things, and we're now embarking on the second half of the season that hopefully sees four straight trips to the playoffs for the Brewers in first time in franchise history. We'll talk with our buddy David Gasper reviewing the Brew coming up next.
0: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio
1: Network.
2: Sports show. My name, Grant Bills. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. The talking text line, 608-796-2558. Binks has got a brewer's question. I will address said question with Gasper, reviewing the brew who we're going to connect with here in a minute or two. I got a text from Larry, or at least I think your name is Larry. You said that your name is Rary with an R. And if that is your name, my apologies. But I, I'm i left to assume here that that's a typo. He says, the problem with Cobb is that you will cost eight and a half million bucks. A little speedy for a good ornament. Yeah, he's going to have to take a pay cut. That's the only way that this is going to work. Either the Texans pay a bunch of it or the Packers restructure, extend, or get rid of somebody else because he's not going to fit right now. So they do need to do some maneuvering. But you're right, Rary or, or Larry. Oh, your nickname is Rary. Oh, well, that's, that's a sick name. I'm not here to hate. I just want to make sure it wasn't a typo. So many people when they text the show, they do speech to text. So the words are like slightly misspelled always. So I'm left to assume. Thank you. Rary, it's a badass name. Good for you. I talked with Gasper at 2.30 today, 2.30 p.m., and we are just hoping that the Brewers would make a big trade, and they did not, so this interview is still valid. So here's David Gasper reviewing the Brew. We do some big-picture stuff, and then we get into the trade deadline as well. Ladies and gentlemen, David Gasper.
1: Oh, no. The the Packers are releasing Blake Bortles. I saw
2: saw that. (laughs) I'm actually going to leave that in. That's how we're going to start the interview, with you talking about the Blake Bortles news. (laughs) That's better than anything I could have said. David Gasper reviewing the brew. <laughs> well, before we start, like, dude, in the last week, Aaron Rodgers has come back. The Bucks have won a championship. I know you're the, the Brewers man uh, and our our insider, our analyst on the show. But do you have a statement on either one
1: of our other teams before we start? Bucks and six, man. Bucks and six always. Um, That's for the. I, I was I was there at Game Six uh, in the in the Deer District Plaza, surrounded by sixty five thousand my closest friends. Yes. Um, that was. That was a really fun time. Uh, the Packers, that's, that, that's a whole lot of fun that I'm sure you get to have every single day talking about that situation. I'm just, um, I'm just thankful but... we
2: have like actual news and details to talk about. Oh, yeah. Like, as much as well, Schefter's it, bothered us, he gave us like actual bullet points of what's going on, which I appreciate.
1: Yeah, and, and now that we got the report, like, oh, Randall Cobb's coming back. Yeah. You know, when, when I saw Troy Wingo's report on that yesterday, I thought it was a joke. Like, what is I didn't this? think they were being serious. Really? Okay. Like, I'm all about
2: it. Like Randall Cobb, he could be the Ryan yeah. Braun. Bring him in, mentor some of these young guys, play him limited amounts so he doesn't get hurt. Like, I'm all about it. Yeah, I gotta it's ask like, you like, oh,
1: Rogers wouldn't
2: unless Randall Cobb was there. It's yeah. like well, really? And it reminds me of the Jake Kumaro thing. It's like, well, he has all these issues, but the thing that really did it was they got rid of Jake Kumaro, of all people. Like, this story is just <laughs> so bizarre. You said you were at the Deer District with 65,000. How tall are you exactly? Because for those who don't know you, like, you are 6'8". Yeah, you were a massive yeah. human being. You were probably the only one who could see. You were probably just fine. And everyone else is struggling to oh, see. Yeah. That visual made me laugh, too. You just poking out of the crowd. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it made it easier for my friends
2: to find me. Yeah, That's well that sure. that too. You're not you're not getting separated. So a lot going on with our other two teams, but this Brewers team, man, they're great. And now the second half of the season has started, and we can actually start to ramp up and and talk about what might lie in store for this team for the trade deadline and as we approach September and the postseason too. Here's my plan: we're going to chat about some big picture stuff. And then, like, halfway through, we're going to leave an a opportunity for me to cut this interview off if they, like, trade for Max Scherzer or something. So if this interview becomes dated, because this is going to play in, like, two hours. So halfway through, we're going to transition. We'll leave ourselves kind of an out there. Let's start by maybe talking about expectations. Because when we came into the season, I'm like, I don't have expectations. I just want to enjoy this team, unlike the Brewers, or unlike the Bucks and the Packers, who have these super heavy expectations. I'm just going to enjoy the Brewers. And now we've gotten to the point where we can kind of see the picture coming together. I think this Brewers team is built to succeed in the postseason. Obviously, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. But I think an underrated part of this team is that they have Hauser and Lauer that they can just kind of slide into the pen if they want. And I think that's a sneaky advantage this team has come late in the season. And I don't think anybody's really talking about that.
1: Yeah, and that's a situation. I mean, the Brewers kind of try to maintain flexibility with their pitching staff. And that's where you kind of look at, you know, someone like Max Scherzer, you know, if they go and get him. Um, that could allow them to push Lauer or even a Hauser or a Brett Anderson to the bullpen uh, so that they can get innings from them there and they can manage innings there with the rest of the rotation. Maybe they could do a tandem thing like they did with Freddie Peralta in his last time out um, and continue that down the stretch. So they could use some more pitching depth. They don't necessarily need it in the rotation um, but it's not a bad thing to get either. You know, doubling down on a strength is something that David Stearns has done plenty of times before. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if he did that again.
2: Yeah, I think middle relief. I'm not going to say middle relief wins championships, but if you look at 2018, right, Corbin Burns and the role that he played was so crucial because he, you give you have flexibility, right? If you need to cut the starter a little bit short and go to the bullpen a little bit early, if you have that guy in the in the meat of your pitching lineup or or your you know it's not a hitting lineup it's a pitching lineup if you have that guy in the middle to give you some length and hauser and lauer or even brett anderson who i i hope he never pitches in the postseason but i guess he is an option you mentioned another reason to love this team i think they're the inverse of the bucks in 2018-2019 amazing regular season team but maybe they get exposed a little bit in the postseason this brewers team plays in a style that lends itself to the postseason right run prevention prevention they're great at winning close games. I saw the stat from Buster only the other night on Sunday night on, on Twitter. They have a winning percentage of .619 in one-run games since 2018, which normally you would attribute to luck, but the Brewers have been so consistent with it. Can you maybe speak to why that is, why they're great at that, and why that's such an advantage going into September and, and going into the postseason?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think what plays into the success in one-run games is the bullpen and the success that they have back there with Josh Hader locking down games, who's been... Uh, electric all season you got Devin Williams setting him up when he's healthy um you got a really good bullpen that they built and you know even though that there's been a lot of turnover the past couple of years um you know for the past three four years they've had a really really strong bullpen um, to lock down games so I mean really once they get a lead and you know it, it's kind of a race to the to the seventh inning or to the sixth inning um because if the Brewers can get a lead uh, going into to that part of the game and they can bring up their a group of relievers uh they're pretty much set um, and it's very difficult to come back from. So um, that, that's really kind of been the thing for the Brewers. And if they're able to get a lead um, and, and have the offense give their starters enough run support, uh, which has been an issue for, you know, most of their, for pretty much all their losses this year. Uh, if they can get enough run support, then they got the bullpen to really kind of lock it down. And, and yeah, they're built to succeed in the, in the postseason. They have the starting rotation to, to be able to work their way through any postseason series. Um, When you got those top three guys um, and, you know, when you have that really dominant back end of the bullpen, uh, you can you can really make some noise and you can pitch your way to a championship. You just need to be able to to score enough runs uh, to make use of that pitching staff because your pitching staff is going up against top offenses as Mm -hmm. well. Um, So as long as your offense does enough uh, against other really good pitching staffs, uh, then you'll be just fine. Great bullpen, a roster that
2: lends itself to playing in close games and big moments, but also a manager that knows how to best utilize that roster. And I'll I'll mention Craig Council and the important role he's played as well. If you listen to that show, I I bring it up any chance I have. Before we get into the trade deadline stuff, I do want to ask you, and I'm just going to straight up rip the Band-Aid off. I know he went on the COVID list today. That doesn't really change the conversation that we need to have about Christian Yelich, although we hope he gets healthy and he's okay. What's his deal, right? Council said the other day that it's certainly been a struggle for him. But his on-base percentage is still above average. He's still helping them win games, especially hitting with runners on. But this just hasn't been the same version of him. What's his deal?
1: Yeah, I think Yelich would love to know just as much as, <laughs> as the rest of us. I mean, he, he's been trying to figure this out. Like, we, like all fans you know, think like, you know, we're all extremely frustrated about how he's been performing. No one's more frustrated about this than Yelich. No one's more frustrated that he's hitting 230 with very little power uh, whatsoever than him. Uh, he's, he's trying to work his way through it. Um, you know, he, he said a couple weeks ago that he was back to square one, just trying to, you know, get things going again, get in a good groove. Um, you know, I don't know if the COVID IL thing is going to help or hurt with that. Uh, perhaps he can just kind of, you know, take some time to, you know, just, you know, be in, you know, hitting off a T or whatever at home because he, he's going to be in quarantine or whatnot. And, um, you know, just kind of taking some time to, to either do some work or to clear his head or whatever it is he needs to do perhaps it can help perhaps it won't help who knows we'll we'll find out in 10 days or so but um yeah he he's trying to get going he's trying to figure it out and he's just as frustrated if, if probably more frustrated than the rest of us
2: well this might be a good opportunity for him to kind of reset and I know COVID is serious. We want to be healthy. We want everyone healthy. But Tyrone Taylor's been crushing, too. And there have not really been enough at-bats to go around. So I I think in the short term, hopefully they'll be able to stay afloat. Gasper, this is where I'm going to leave space to cut this interview off. If the Brewers make a move. Right now, we are recording this as 2.45 p.m. This is going to air at 4.30. So if the Brewers make a huge move in the next two hours, this is where I will cut this interview off and then talk about said move. And I will probably text you for, like, a statement. So, this has been a great interview. Gasper, thank you so much, and have a great rest of your week. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Rand. Take care. Okay, so I'm going to leave a second here. I'm going to mark that down. Eight minutes and 35 seconds. Okay, David Gasper, reviewing the brew. Trade deadline is rolling in. You know what I find hilarious, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, is I read today Ken Rosenthal's piece in The Athletic, and he's talking about the Angels, and he's like, look, the Angels are a game over 500. Their GM recognizes that they should be sellers, but they want to see how they do this weekend against the Rockies first. And like that just, that blows my mind. I find that so funny that a team can play for 162 games and they just, oh, let's see how we do in this three game series against the Rockies. The trade deadline is, I think it really exposes and highlights which teams are really smart and which teams are are kind of
1: dumb. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, when you get down to kind of this point in the season, like, yeah, it's you know, a couple of games either way can really, you know, determine a lot. Like if you lose the final three and say you go from uh, being four games back to being seven games back, I mean, you go from being in legit striking distance to, the de- to a division title to being, you know, seven games out, you really kind of need a lot more uh, help, even though there's still two months left and really anything can happen. Um, it's just kind of, you know, visually... Um, when, when you look at it and when you try and take stock where your club is, sure. it, it's just a whole different mindset. And, you know, some teams kind of fall into that trap. It's like, no, like we need to see how these next, you know, two or three games go yeah. to determine if we sell off top prospects in order to, to get some help for this year, or if we sell off our current big league assets uh, in order to, to focus on the future. and, You know, some make good decisions with it, some make bad decisions with it, and, you know, that that kind of determines who gets fired and and who sticks around for a long time.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is the type of year that, the time of year that kind of defines who's good at their job and who isn't, and it's being able to feel a team, and I get the Angels have dealt with injuries to their best players, so they're, I mean, they're factoring that in as well, but when I read something like that, it's like, well, we want to see how we do against the Rockies. Like, it always makes me laugh, right? There's 180 games played every year, and it's like, well, this weekend we'll, I guess we'll make a decision. Let's Two things about the Brewers. I, common sense would say that they need offensive help. It's like, well, you need a bat because the offense is, is the weak half of their team. But I don't, I don't think it's that easy. Like, if they want to get a bat, where's it going to go? They already have too many outfielders, and I think they're going to bring Ryan Braun back. Maybe I'm insane, <laughs> right? It, it, with or without Braun, they have a ton of outfielders. I don't think you're moving Adamus, Urias, or Wong. So unless you're going to do, like, a franchise-altering, sliding-door change and supplant Keston here and whatever they got going on at first, I I don't see how they get better offensively unless it's a bench bat. And I, I don't know what kind of difference a bench bat even makes. What what do you think about the prospects and, and the path to maybe improving this offense before the deadline?
1: Yeah. I mean, when it comes to, to the offense, I mean, they, they, what they really need is some of their current guys to, to get going. I mean, what would be ideal is Keston hits like 2019 Keston Hira. Yeah. It'd be ideal if Christian Yelich could hit like 2019 Christian Yelich. Um, if they do that, I mean you got you know pretty much a World Series caliber offense right there already. Um and then yeah, you just kinda maybe need some help on the bench and you'll be fine. Um however, twenty nineteen Keston Hira is nowhere to be found at the moment. Uh same thing with Christian Yelich and, and now he's just on the COVID IL. Um so you you try and you know find some ways to to get some help and it may, you know, lead to some uncomfortable um situations and you know, some guys maybe deserve more at bats or you know, are paid like they should get more at bats, aren't getting as many. I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. hasn't done much on offense this year. Lorenzo Cain's just coming back, but even when healthy, he hasn't really done much. Now his legs, you know, he's, he's having a bunch of leg injuries. Um, so, I mean, it's where they really could use some more offense. Um, first base, definitely, they need some consistency. And then, of course, in the few days ahead of this, Rowdy Teles all of a sudden wakes up offensively. Yeah. Uh, to you know, I don't know how much more complicated that would make. The first base situation or if it would stop them from getting uh, an addition but you know that that's something that you know they could potentially look at third base another position that they could look at upgrading um even though Luis Arias has played pretty well you you could always get better
2: yeah well and, and Travis Shaw is on his way to being healthy too that further complicates things but I like what you said to begin what they really need is for some of these guys to to start playing like themselves And I agree, that's maybe an oversimplification, maybe that's obvious, but I think another way to look at that is, if Christian Yelich and Keston Hira don't start hitting the ball better, then I don't know that adding one bat at the trade deadline is going to make that big of a difference. Maybe that's a different spin to put on that and a different way to think about it, rather than just saying, well, Yelich and Hira need to hit better, that's the change. I think maybe there are a couple different angles to approach the offense. It's a mess. They have a lot of options, and, and it's going to be a math problem that probably Craig Council is is up to the task for. I want to ask you, Gasper, before I let you go, chances of, say, getting, I know Max Scherzer is the name that's getting thrown around, former logger, which you got to think might help, right? He could, on his day off, he could drive over to this side of the state and take in a game at Copeland. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I got. I love the thinking. I don't think it's very realistic, but I love the thinking. Saying, hey, we're amazing at this. Let's get more amazing at that. I like when teams do that. Do you think that there's a realistic option to round out the great rotation they already have and, and double down on what already makes this team great? Or maybe you think Scherzer is realistic, but what do you think about adding starting pitching?
1: Certainly a route that they could take, and, I mean, David Stearns has not been afraid to double down on that before. I mean, it'd be very interesting because Stearns has pretty much resisted uh, adding rotation help at the deadline or even in the offseason, pretty much every single year. You know, for the past three or four years, you know, it, it's always been, oh, the Brewers need rotation help. The Brewers need rotation help. And he never goes out and signs or, or trades for any starters. And now it's like, okay, this rotation is good. Now they just need some bats. All right, now let's go get the rotation. Starter. Help. Like, yeah. like, it seems odd, <laughs> but. You know, in some ways it could make sense. I mean, the Brewers rotation, you know, they they got a fantastic trio in Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta. Um, But, you know, when it comes to postseason experience, I mean, Woodruff certainly has the most uh, of the three. He started uh, in the wildcard series last year. He started the wildcard game in 2019. um, Pitched a lot um, in in the 2018 postseason run, um, although a lot of 2018 was out of the bullpen or kind of, you know, long man, interesting situations there. Uh, corbin burns you know was a reliever in 2018 um didn't pitch at all in the postseason in 2019 or in or in 2020 uh freddie peralta you know reliever you know each of the each of the past few years in the postseason so you know they they could use some postseason starting experience you know you you can never go wrong with that and certainly someone like, like max scherzer uh, adding him to this group of really young pitchers oh yeah, uh, to kind of help, you know, mentor them and guide them. You know, that's something that I, I think would make a ton of sense. Um, and when it comes to his contract, whoever requires Max Scharzer will not owe him a single penny uh, for the rest of the season. So I, um, that's very attractive to the ears of Mark Atanasio mm-hmm. as well.
2: Yeah. I, I love that. I was reading about some of the finances today and how the nationals have already, they've handled the signing bonus and how the money is deferred. And it is, Interesting, because I think that opens the door to maybe some teams that don't have quite the large sum of money that maybe the Padres or the Dodgers do. Well, the trade deadline is on Friday. I will no doubt reach out to you probably around Friday. If they do something nuts, maybe we'll have to reconnect. But otherwise, Gasper, I look forward to talking to you next Tuesday. And I think it's going to be really exciting next couple of months for the Brewers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the Brewers are going to end up having to face a different starter tonight because uh, Tyler Anderson has <laughs> been scratched for the Pirates now officially. I love it. Um, so. It looks like he's heading to the other side of uh, Pennsylvania. Oh, my God. I love that.
2: Just trade everybody. Make life easier <laughs> on the Brewers. I love it. Thanks, Gasper. Yep. Thanks a lot, Grant. Take care. Take care. Tuesdays with Gasper. Reviewing the Brew. D Gasper 24 on Twitter. Find his stuff. Read his stuff. And he's going to provide, I'm sure, a lot of insight into the detailed things that I can't begin to wrap my mind around. Well, at least until I research normally through reading and asking Gasper what the heck's going on, especially with the trade deadline approaching Friday. So follow him. We'll come back couple of thoughts on the Brewers, and then we'll reset, get back into Packers after
0: 5 o'clock. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show, we got one minute, so we got a break at 5 o'clock. That's enough time to make one point. And Mad Mike, I think, sets us up for this point really, really well. He texts in and says, go get the Scherzer guy. Former lacrosse logger. People forget. And go win a World Series. The offense will be good enough because you'll only need a run or two. I think a lot of Brewers fans, Mike, would disagree with you and say, no, we need offense. I'm not going to agree or disagree. I think they could use both. I'd be happy with either. Just get a good deal. Get value where you can. I love the idea. Love Oh, I love it so much. The idea of a team realizing that they're really good at something and then getting better at it. So the Packers did in 2011 when they drafted Randall Cobb. It's kind of what they did again when they drafted A.J. Dillon. They didn't use A.J. Dillon, so that kind of fell apart. But I'm with you. Get another starter and double down on what makes you great. Greatness. Greatness at one thing typically wins championships, not average or above-average play across the board. You need one thing that you're special at. The Brewers are already special at starting pitching. Why not be more special? I agree, Mad Mike. We're going to get back into the Packers coming up. Brewers pregame will start at 5.30, so let's finish the Wisco Sports Show strong after this.